Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. That's my friend Chris Ford, aka the objective geek of YouTube and Twitter semi fame. I think it was semi fame. He got a paycheck from YouTube. So I think that's <laughs> that qualifies as professional. You did it for money. Uh, congratulations, you're now a professional YouTuber. Uh, I exchange it I exchanged goods and or services and got money for it. That makes you a uh, pro. So that... You are officially a pro. You, yeah. I don't make the definitions, Chris. That's that's just how it is. That's true. And we are here. Only, yeah, a... I got. Oh, I'm sorry. I got my ahead. first check of. I got my first. If anyone is aspiring YouTuber out there, I'll tell you how much I made because I, I don't care. It's not that vital of information. Somebody's got to share this information. Uh, I made yeah. my first check from YouTube was two hundred and twenty dollars, which that is after. Two year, more than two years of being on YouTube. Um, you have to have at least a thousand subscribers to get into the partnership thing or whatever it's called. And it took half a million, close to half a million views. I think at, at that point I got to check out, I probably had like 450,000 views, uh, uh, probably about 2,000 subscribers. So uh, probably like a 200 videos, maybe? 200? For- I'm not even sure on that. And for some added perspective, we've done like 100 podcast episodes. And when you add up all the views from all those episodes, it equals your next video in views. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, podcast. Yeah. Just kidding. It's you, you know, our podcast has been getting more downloads lately, which uh, I consider pretty valuable because that's like downloads on it's across iTunes, iTunes and Google Play. Um, Spotify and all those things, but it's people like actually either doing the setting up the automatic download on their phone or going out of their way to seek out that episode and click download. And so that's pretty meaningful to me because it's a little more of a commitment. Like you're actually putting it on your phone. I don't even care if they listen to it, but it looks interesting enough that people are willing to dedicate phone space to it. So that's kind of it's kind of meaningful to me. But and congratulations! Hey, uh, you made actual tangible money that you could feasibly yeah. not spend all in one place you know it's not like 10 bucks or something and so yeah congratulations that's awesome i know they make you wait to get you they have to pay you in like 100 minimum 100 dollar increments <laughs> that that's probably a good idea on everybody's part for everyone that's probably what's best uh, so today we have a kind of a, a not kind of a special it is an extremely special episode because it is Sosun's Comet Part 1 and 2. We're going to do half this week. It's a four-part episode. It is the season finale. This is it. After this, we are absolutely done with this podcast until we start recording Legend of Korra immediately following this. And then, so it's a four-part episode. We're going to do the first two episodes this week. And then we're going to leave you on a cliffhanger. And then if Chris's wife does not uh, give birth to their third child next week... We are going to do the remaining two episodes and our ratings next week. And if they do, then we're just going to plug in a filler episode and leave you on a, on a great cliffhanger. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm hoping that the child does come soon because I just want this baby baby out. Sooner um, is probably better. It's if you're grown. a pregnant come woman on out, baby. carrying around a baby, I think sooner is probably better. I actually, so, so we have a small baby gift for you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it back there on the shelf right next to my Christmas present for you. And it is now May. It's May. In my defense, we have been forcibly stuck inside for a long time. Now, uh, 
it's it's May and it's back there, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, if uh, I hope your wife gives birth sooner than later, because I always feel bad when I see women that are super pregnant, because it looks wicked uncomfortable. And then if that happens, we will probably plug in a filler episode and do the uh, part one and two another time, and it'll be fine. I don't think any of our ten listeners or what have you are like hanging like like sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for our ratings but if you are you know and that, if you actually are then i'm really sorry because that makes me feel very flattered anyway that's the plan for the upcoming podcast schedule i thought before we jumped into the episodes as always i wanted to ask you how your week was uh my week is pretty good um i first checked my new job which that's that's always good make sure everything uh, went to the right bank accounts stuff like that um uh i'm I'm actually working on a movie review which i haven't done one of those in months am i allowed to ask what movie oh yeah um so dc makes animated straight to video on demand movies pretty much four times a year and they're always pretty good i think none of them are really that bad Um, but the most recent one is justice league dark apocalypse war and I really enjoyed it. It's uh, so to preface it, pretty much Dark Side, which is the big bad of, of DC. If you know Marvel and Thanos, this is their Thanos, which really Thanos is a legit copy, straight copy of Dark Side. Like that is factual. <laughs> um, they're both created by so, the same person named Jack Kirby. Oh who's no, like kidding! Freaking... That's kind of funny. Yeah, but Dark Jack Side Kirby's... came first. Yes. Yeah. So when they were, they were. When Jack Kirby and probably Stan Lee was creating Thanos, Jack Kirby, I think, originally came up with this character who looked like this other DC character who is in the same vein as, as in the same story, in the same stories as Darkseid. And then I think someone was like, if you're going to rip off two gods, which is DC, rip off their biggest, baddest villain. And he was like, all right, fine. We'll just do a copy of Darkseid and make Thanos. Um, That's kind of funny. <laughs> I, mean, I, is, I, I say that like I, I have I allegiance. I I don't really have allegiance in the sense like on DC, I really like Batman and on Marvel, I really like X-Men. And honestly, that's about it for me. So I'm pretty even. I just lean no, DC because I tend to love uh, Warner properties a lot. So that's like yeah. the only reason that I lean that way at all. And that's not a good reason. Don't don't be like me. Yeah, But uh, pretty much this movie is just like... It's like the Endgame Infinity War for these DC cinematic animated universe. Um, like it is, it's like the big battle against Darkseid. Um, and Sean, you can watch it now because you have my voodoo password. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have my own legitimate voodoo account and purchased this movie yeah. that I heard about just now. No, I did. I saw you posted the thing on Twitter um, about like people, people spoiling it on Twitter. And it does, it kind of gets me, kind of gets me up in arms because I don't, care about spoilers and we've been over that before but i would mm-hmm. i don't i don't like the idea of going out of your way to like ruin it for somebody else it just seems like a douchey thing to do but well uh, i think because this movie is like an animated straight to dvd for some reason people didn't feel i think as bad and spoiling it as they would for like a big blockbuster movie i suppose but, but i don't think no I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to right um no, they're still awful people. It um. <laughs> it should almost feel even like if it's a, it's it's not quite the the full AAA cinematic spectacle 
that an actual theatrical release is. So it should almost feel like more private and more like a, I don't know, like a safer experience to not spoil. It should almost go the opposite way, but that's just me rationalizing, I suppose. I will have to watch it as there are still no sports on. It's day 5,000 without sports and I'm getting desperate. I'm getting so desperate that today I watched the movie Christopher Robin and I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't bad. (laughs) I watched it. I think it was decent. Yeah, it was, uh, it was funnier than it had any right to be. Yeah. But anyway, I will have to watch it, and I will watch your review, of course, when it goes up. I forget what line Pooh has in that movie. Chris, he's got a where... ton of really good ones. Like it's, I, yeah, I'm sure there's, right? I'm sure there's a line that's your favorite, and that's totally cool. But when I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like ten that he <laughs> and he and Eeyore, the the rest of them, like fine. But him, Pooh and Eeyore steal the show. Um, I can't, oh man, I wish I could think of because it's a really good. There's, well, oh, there's man. one. I don't know something about spending all day doing nothing. Um, Eeyore's like go. He's Eeyore's dropping metaphors like go with the flow when he's about to roll down the river and fall down a waterfall. He's all depressed. And so, I don't know. They were both. I probably won't seek it out to watch it again. But it was way more like charming and funny than I. Yeah would have expected and so. you you and mcgregor is honestly good and i think everything he's in i love that's fair. you and yeah. mcgregor he's great yeah that's that's a fair conjecture so no i'm looking for like, it's funny yeah. it's funny he's in birds of prey playing black mask and it's so different from everything else he's done but he's so good in it still worked out i haven't watched that one yet worked out okay for him though it's yeah yeah i mean I didn't give it a great review, but I think I, I weirdly want to see it again. It has a lot of bright spots to it. Story not necessarily being one of them, but you I'm know, not sure if I was that harsh on it. I need to rewatch it. If you're thinking about still, objective reviews, though, like you still got to remember you can totally enjoy yeah, a movie yeah. that you didn't review well in a in a critical way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I still enjoyed it nonetheless, yeah. Oh, uh, that's a lot of emotion, that drug. They score down a lot, a lot of emotion. Uh, but anyway, I look forward to your view, and I will probably have an ungodly amount of time to watch any number of movies this weekend because that's all I do right now. <laughs> but I highly, I highly recommend Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War. It is. I watched it twice now since I've bought it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really good. And also part of your week, you're potentially going to have a baby. That's a thing that you should mention. I feel like that's important. Uh, yeah, yeah. Little thing. Yeah, that's important, yeah. Little thing. Well, we mentioned that briefly, yeah. Within yeah. a week. Actually, wait, what is today? It's the 8th, it's so the I remember eighth. the date well enough to know that it is yeah. exactly one week-ish. <laughs> it's <laughs> approximately. Uh, nine, nine days and counting, I guess. Uh, I was thinking the yeah. 15th, so I was still wrong. <clears> 17th. <throat> Not even, man, I thought, I was like, well, maybe he just means I'm one day off. Nope, still wrong. Still terrible at remembering things. I thought uh, he'll come early. Like I said, I, every time I see, like, really pregnant women, I'm like, you don't deserve that. <laughs> that's, that's just wrong. I, I was thought, man, we're really that about here. I was talking to my wife. I was like, I feel bad. It's like, when I'm at the hospital with her, our past two ones, I do absolutely nothing. I just... Like, I think I told her last time, I remember binging Mr. Robot at the hospital. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I have no idea. It's is a it... show on USA. Um, but uh, I was like, there's 
men do absolutely it's un it's honest it's unfair i mean we can't do anything about it but it's uh and i wouldn't want to do anything about it like if if men could get birth nah that ain't me no i'm I'm happy to be on this side and and not able to do anything about it i prefer to be over here yeah uh, it, it's an unfair world out here today my wife sorry, sorry women so it is yeah. we really are we mean it my wife uh we're like counting calories so not really diets but just trying to monitor a little better how much we eat and her threshold is so much lower than mine because she's like five foot two no yeah she's like five foot two and a woman 1200 calories or something i think i think her like recommended amount is like uh 16 for the amount of exercise we do keep in mind that we, we run basically a mile a day with the dog now that's not a ton of exercise but like we do daily uh, semi-intense exercise moderate intensity and so hers is like 16 17 mine's like 24 25 <laughs> so i'm on like my third bowl of cereal and she's just looking at me with these evil angry eyes i'm like i know life's not fair but it's okay it, life is life is not fair it's not um, but it's not fair to everybody women are amazing nonetheless they deserve, women are, deserve more women have to be pregnant men have to be ugly so it's you know, it hurts everybody. While getting paid a fraction of men, <laughs> pennies on the dollar. <laughs> yeah, but Chris, we have to be ugly every day. <laughs> I mean, that's that's subjective, right? Like, <laughs> nah, it's my not man. It's, it's, it's not a single good-looking guy out there. Look at all, these... <laughs> but... all right, so maybe I'm just thinking about myself versus my wife, which <laughs> fine, that's okay too. Uh, I uh, so my week was really boring. I watched lots of TV. I actually just want to list off all the things that I've either started watching or 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 not finished. But I I intend to finish all of it. But this week I finished Kill I Kill. I watched uh, all of Seven Deadly Sins that's on Netflix. I don't know if it's all that's available or not. Oh, so I'm not man, you gotta tell me how that is. Um, I like it. So it's my kind of anime in that it's a little goofy, a little campy, not extremely serious. So I like it quite a bit. Uh, so Kill I Kill, Seven Deadly Sins. All of Harley Quinn, which I loved, actually, like like nine out of ten loved. Yeah. Little over the top from time to time, but like in a way that's totally forgivable. Nine out of ten. Uh, started watching MythBusters. I've made it through like two seasons of MythBusters on Hulu, and then my wife and I watched all of Lego Masters, and then we're concurrently watching the TV show Psych. And it's like my whole life now. I just come home and we every TV in every room is like prepared for watching a different thing based like we watch psych when we eat and then in the evenings we've been watching the lego masters while we do other stuff and it's wild and that's my whole life right now i have nothing i have literally nothing else to say about my week yeah you still haven't finished my hero i have not been drawn into it i watched i don't know i'm gonna say three or four more episodes i'm most of the way through season one it's just not drawing me in i don't know i, I can't mm-hmm. point my finger as to why I think I don't find it humorous in any sense, and that's such a big part of why I watch. Basically, everything I watch has a strong humor element, and I don't get that from that show. I know I, I need it, to. I kind of, I think it becomes a little funny, but it doesn't lean on comedy. Um, I think it's some of the most funny characters for me is Bakugo, because he's so freaking pissed off all the time. But it gets a little more humorous because the characters around him are like. Bakugo, like you're or Cockchon, whatever you want to call him, um, like that's just him. He's he's just angry at, at everybody, and they kind of it's more of an embrace kind of deal. 
but he's still really pissed off. I can but. I can totally love shows that don't lean on humor. Some sometimes like Avatar: The Last Airbender. I think that it doesn't lean on humor. But there, if you had to put them side by side, I think you would say that Avatar: The Last Airbender, just as a direct comparison, is funnier than My oh, yeah. Hero, and it just is telling that. It's almost like if something doesn't have a that humorous, campy kind of nonsense to it, I just struggle with it a little bit. But I've got time. I will watch more of it. I won't commit past that. I'll say more. It's great. There's nothing issue with what I've watched. It just hasn't hasn't drawn me in yet. And I'm also in a well, weird yeah. like. And also, you have to go to Hulu to watch it, and so it's a on those like commercials. That's it. that's true. Not, There's a lot not. of uh, immersion break in Hulu that I don't have to deal with in in any of the other formats that I take in stuff. So I would say I don't notice it a ton. But also, is it just me or does Hulu's like interface on on smart TV and Fire Stick and all that? It has the shittiest interface of any of those uh, Hulu streaming has apps. The absolute. You know, I'm not. It's it's I'm not sure. between, garbage. Between Hulu and Amazon Prime. I think. No, no, I'm but still taking I'm a, Amazon Prime. That's where I watch Psych. I think it's better still. We've we've had a similar discussion, and I think well, Hulu they, is worse. Amazon Prime has no excuses. It's Amazon. True, like, like you have a higher they, uh, bar for them. That's fair, because I can't figure out how to get to the episodes when I want to the episode list in Amazon Prime. I, will get I think my biggest issue with with Amazon Prime is that they show because you can buy stuff on there also so they show you everything not just the things that are on Amazon Prime they show you everything so I, I wish I could just click a button on the TV that just says just show me things I can watch for free yeah show me like Amazon included Prime. package but Hulu yeah. like I feel like I have to fight with it or like when I watch Lego Masters we've been watching this yeah, thing constantly sometimes it it started as we're finished with it sometimes it started us where we wanted to where we dropped off to last time other times, just starts us on the season finale for, like, no rhyme or reason that we can tell. Just no... And Hulu has been around a while. <laughs> Hulu is not a new entity. So I'm not going to lie. I, I think I hate Hulu the worst, but I agree with what you're saying that our bar is probably a little higher for Amazon. And they're doing that thing, like, you ever use the Mercari selling app? No. Okay, don't, because it's garbage. They, <laughs> that's what they, they call themselves the selling app. That means as a buyer, when you go to the app and you type something in the search bar that you want to buy, it shows you by default every sold listing as well. It doesn't sound like a big thing, but it's really stupid if you want to buy anything that you have to change it and take that part off. Do you need a kid break? No. No, just check it in. Check it in. Um that's enough that's enough tangent and complaining for me i think uh i will say we have vastly underappreciated mythbusters as a society that's an astounding tv show go watch mythbusters i love it um we do we don't have any hard news per se but we did want to toss out chris he said there was an excerpt from the kiyoshi novel that was released this week yes um also side note the Kyoshi Rise of Kyoshi audiobook was supposed to be out like last Tuesday, but got delayed until like the seventeenth or something. Um, it We're might just have used to everything to being cover. delayed right now. Just everything. <laughs> this voiceover wasn't done because of COVID nineteen. Well, that guy got sick. In the booth. 
Stephen <laughs> Stephen Fry got sick in. Um, it, I don't think it's it's supposed to be out in another two weeks. I think it's just some uh, I don't know crossing your eyes, dotting your t's yeah. type of <laughs> deal. I, I can't even be troubled to edit an hour long podcast, so I'm not going to point fingers at people editing large books. <laughs> yeah. Um, the so I'm excited for that because I just really want to start getting into it again. Like I, I do don't want to sit down and read it again. I just want to enjoy it. That's great work material or like project yeah. home project material in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they released a little excerpt of the shadow of Kyoshi, which is due out like in July. And it's really interesting. Um, from the looks of it, it looks like rise of Kyoshi. I'm sorry. Shadow of Kyoshi picks up two years after the events of rise of Kyoshi. Um, and you know how all excerpts are, you know, you kind of just get a random, they're just, plop you into a random part of the book you really have no context for what's happening around it but there's an interesting part where she comes into contact with um with the uh, uh what's his name mook moke moke right moke was the second in command of i think that's of the, how uh... we had been saying it i, I think <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you um, always say it right, and then I say something else, and then I confuse and ruin yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, apparently, Moke, who was the second in command of the, um, I forgot their names. <laughs> the uh, uh, what did you say? Yes, the public platform. Oh, Yellow Neck Dalfei. That's the the Dalfei. Um, he's the second in command, and then Kyoshi. Just in case someone hasn't read the book. Anyway, he's still... He went off to be with someone else. He's went a big bad. He was following one person. Now he's, he's on to another yeah, group. Now, yeah, now he's leading another gang. But uh, I'll just is read it the Yellow a Knicks? couple of the... Or is it a totally third... He's leading another gang, not the Yellow Knicks Third anymore. gang, okay. Yeah, it might be the same people, on. but they go by a different name. <clears throat> um, so she meets him in like this... And Boston say, and this, uh, and it's like shadowy kind of place in, in the outer ring. And uh, what do they say to each other? Pretty much, she she says, "Hello, Uncle Moke. It's been a while, hasn't it?" Um, and he just goes, "You, what are you doing here?" Anyway, she think about Kyoshi in this excerpt. She seems a lot more um, confident in her abilities, which I guess she should be. Um, it's, so later on in it, you know, they're kind of just talking to each other. At some point, um, all of uh, Moke's men comes come in. They all surround Kyoshi, and, uh, and he says, uh, "Sounds like a bad idea." And so like, there's like there's like twenty four twenty four guys, right? They all got weapons and stuff, and uh, and Moke is no longer like before. He was a little hostile towards her and maybe a little bit afraid, but now he's kind of more calm because now he has. Swinging for guys around him. And so he says, Well, girl, what is it you want besides checking on your elders? And she says, I want you all to surrender your weapons, vacate the premises, and march yourselves to a magistrate's courthouse for judgment, the nearest one seven blocks from here. And then several of the men start laughing. Um, it says, Moke's mouth turned upward. Kyoshi might be the avatar, but she was vastly outnumbered and trapped in an enclosed space. Uh, he said, we refuse. 
All right, then. In that case, I only have one question. Kyoshi casts her gaze around the room. Are you sure this is all of you? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) The triad members glance at each other, most face swelled with rage, reddening like a berry in the sun. It wasn't insolence so much as pragmatism, instincts for tidiness and efficiency rising to the surface. If not, I can wait until everyone arrives, (laughs) Kyoshi said. I don't want to have to go back and check each floor. Tear yes. her apart, Moke screamed. So I'm looking forward to just that exchange. Because that is yeah, like a, a Kevin Yoshi caliber of trash talk right yeah. there. That's good. Yeah, uh, is this all of you? <laughs> I'm really glad that we started this episode by talking about like, man, life's unfair to women. But you know what? Now we're we're turning a page with this Kyoshi novel. No, that sounds like great stuff. Um, I'm excited, but like you said, I kind of want to listen to the audiobook again just for details. It's one of those, and I, you, you hear me do it with episodes all the time here. Like, I know what happened in the, in the book or in the episode, but I miss details all the time where things don't stick and retain. So I do very much want the audiobook so I can give it a thorough listen while I am at home with all the free time in the world. So that's very exciting. Yeah little weird to me that they said it two years after like given the way the previous book ended i thought it was going to be uh what like succeeded by like an immediate like a chase a rundown in the spirit world or something like that so i'm a little surprised that there's a two-year gap in there but not super surprised it just didn't meet what i would have guessed i suppose and that's really all i got to say about that yeah uh with that being said, that novel comes out in July, pending no yes, pending no uh, delays, which I suppose with production and publishing could be possible. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And I don't say that very often about books. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't say that ever. <laughs> I wasn't even saying that about Rise of Kyoshi because like, oh, you know, Avatar book. Oh, oh, I'll read it definitely. Now I'm just like yes. I, I can't wait. It's weird. It's been almost a whole year. Gosh, it, is. it doesn't feel like it. And that was one of our better episodes when we talked when we reviewed the Rise of Kyoshi, and it was like two and a half hours long or something outrageous. <laughs> that was a long episode. But not just not just the clicks, but like the whole the listen length of time, listen rate, and everything was so much longer. That was a great episode. Well, it performed relatively great. That's all word that relative to the rest of the podcast, not the rest of the Objective Geek channel necessarily that's good that's a good sign for the rest of your channel that being said i think we should go ahead and jump into our episodes because technically we're going to do walkthroughs uh the walkthrough of two episodes i find that when i think about these they all blend together that's not necessarily a bad thing here but two episodes to talk about and then we are absolutely going to skip ratings leave you on a cliffhanger because we're going to wait till we do all four episodes before we offer any kind of ratings down the road. So for now, let's just talk uh, the first one, which is called The Phoenix King. Phoenix King. Yes, Team Avatar is enjoying a nice uh, little retreat on Ember Island. Um, and they're all like, man, we've become pretty lazy. And then they have a beach party, <laughs> which somehow makes you less late lazy not not sure the logic on that one it's um, not so good. they're all having a nice they're all having a nice time um real quick i'll note that 
that uh, angled uh, sand castle of of Appa, and it looks really good. And then Toph makes a sand castle of Ba Sing Se. I have, I think, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before that in my head canon, Toph was practicing sand bidding to this degree because before she wasn't great at it. Like even here, she says, "Look at this! Like I've been practicing my sand bending." I think she's been secretly practicing sand bending because she feels guilty that she could not save Appa from the sandbenders. And then she vowed that she would not let that happen again. But of course, she wouldn't tell anybody that because she's not too with the mushy mushy uh, feelings. That would stuff. be a proud thing that I could see her keeping her. I don't think you have to say that's headcanon. That sounds like a legitimate, <laughs> uh, like a hypothesis, right? Like we couldn't prove it, but it sounds like a legitimate hypothesis. Yeah. I'm down with that. Cool. I don't even know how you'd argue with that. How would you be like, nah, Chris, that's dumb. Yeah, that's true. You can't, you can't, it's not even a theory. You can't really, yeah. It makes all the sense. Anyway. Um, And then, and then Zuko like firebends at, he he interrupts everybody's whole party and stuff. (laughs) And he chases, he's chasing Aang. He's trying to, attack Aang because he's pretty much like you guys are we we need to be training like we don't have time for this and so he does you know he attacks Aang and Katara comes back just like what happened and Sokka is not telling her the information she needs to know <clears throat> he's like Zuko went crazy he, <laughs> he he tore up this statue I did with Suki which looks terrible oh and he's attacking Aang <laughs> but I really like the comedy in these first two episodes there's definitely a big shift in tone somewhere around let's say like halfway through the second episode um yeah somewhere yeah. In there where yes, it's a really yeah. heavy shift in tone but up to that point yeah it's yeah. kind of lighthearted and, and goofy surprisingly so for where we're at in the series yeah so uh eventually ang defeats zuko in this training spar which is good really good spar um you really get it's interesting you know, we haven't seen Aang fight Zuko since. Holy crap! When was the last time we see Aang fight Zuko? Uh, it was the chase. Uh... No, I'm tripping. It was the drill. I'm not the drill. The Crossroads of Destiny. Duh. <laughs> yeah. So but even been... that, you know, it's such a such a team affair that. I mean, they had their one on one moments in that. So yeah. Okay. And and Angle's Angle's bested by Zuko in that episode. Um, and here Zuko gets bested by Aang. Um, but it's really interesting to see just how far they've come. See him at full, um, both full firebending too is kind of exciting. Yeah, but I love seeing yeah Zuko. I love seeing all the techniques he does and everything. Mm-hmm. Like that firewall, he kind of does. It's about to like engulf Aang, and Aang blasts him through the window, which reminds me of when Korra blasts him on through a window. Airbending is apparently really good for blasting people. <laughs> through narrow corridors out of a window. There's, I don't know if it's actually a word for that, but there on a YouTube channel I watch, whenever like windows and things are broken, it's <laughs> defenestration. Yeah. Defenestration. It's a good word. Um, I don't know why I just thought of this, and I'm scared that it's going to send us on a tangent. But you picture Kiyoshi in that room, like surrounded. And it's, they said it was like, what, a small room? And she's surrounded yeah. by people. But, like, if she had access to Earth, if it was, like, at an Earth base or whatever, you imagine her just, like, Earth bending a circle around her, just up with all the people and just, like, smashing them into the ceiling. 
I feel like I've seen that happen in the show once by somebody. Right, but since it's Kyoshi think... and it's in a novel with a slightly older audience, I just like absolute gore, like just crush them all up again. They're just <laughs> bleeding everywhere. My yeah. imagination goes. Maybe that's why I don't read books. My own imagination scares me. Okay, that was a pointless tangent. I just that's how I would deal with that if I were Kyoshi. But she's probably got it under control. <laughs> she doesn't need my help. Um, so eventually. They're all like, what's wrong with you? He's like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you all? You all are lounging around. Like, Sozin's Comet is three days away. Like, I think it's three days away. Like, we have to prepare. And they're all like, um, oh, yeah, we weren't going to face Sozin on, I mean, face Ozai on Sozin's Comet. He's like, what? And they're like, well, since they took Ba Sing Se, thanks to you, Zuko. I'm kidding, they didn't say that. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. But they meant they it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever since the Fire Nation took Boxing to say, with your help, uh, there was really, that was the last stronghold of the Earth Kingdom, of everyone else. And the war is pretty much over at that point. Um, and their invasion plans didn't work. And, you know, what, it can't get worse than this. And Zuko's like, it can get worse. Like, I went to... Oh, wait, well, first of all, why didn't they tell Zuko? Which I don't... It's a plot convenience that they don't tell Zuko. I'm so excited um, that you used the phrase plot convenience instead of plot hole. <laughs> because, because, like, at the end of... At the end of um, Southern Raiders, right? Aang is like, violence never the answer. And then Zuko says, well, what are you going to do about my father? That would have been a good time to be like, um, actually, violence is not the answer. I don't plan on fighting your father. Can't kill your father if I don't fight him. This would have been a really good opportunity during that conversation to exchange valuable tactical information. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It was emotional and they were tired from the trip. But whatever. That's, it's yeah, it's sure. fine. Stupid Zuko. Yeah. Um, that's why I did. I don't know if I'm in. So you know, I'm, I'm in all those Facebook groups, but I feel like every now and then there's there, there's like a a surge of new members who start asking, like, bringing up the same discussion points that have been discussed all the time, all the time. And sometimes, sometimes there's like more people who hate like Legend of Korra, <laughs> and they talk about like plot conveniences. That I'm like, people just ignore the plot conveniences. An avatar. Now, I'm not trying to say that that's bad writing or anything. I'm just trying to say that there's every story has like plot conveniences and things like that. Especially or just like, man, if this it's came in out a of fantastic nowhere. made up world, and it's, <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, and then, like, I watched Legend of Korra. I'm like, man, Legend of Korra did a really good job, like, explaining some past things that happened or what they actually would mean and how they would, uh, mature from you know lore that's been dropped in an avatar anyway i love both of the shows both of these shows like a lot and i don't know i'm kind of confused on why people i'm not conf- confused on people why some people don't like legend core but i feel like people people's um i feel like sometimes people try to say like very um objective things about it but they don't hold those same standards to avatar like i don't care if people don't like it like I, I can see why people don't like it because it's it is different from Avatar. Um, 
That's but, probably uh, the biggest reason for not liking it. Like, maybe not saying that it's not as good of a show, but just straight up not liking it. Is if you're yeah. looking for a similar Avatar experience, it, that's not it. And to this date, yeah. there isn't isn't one, really. I have, I've been very tempted during all this downtime to binge through Korra, <laughs> uh, but I have kept true to my word. I'm not going to watch it till we get there, and it's going to be essentially the second say Korra celibate because you're not a Korra virgin. So but. that's true. Korra born again, actually born again. <laughs> It'd be a, be a second, except for the very first season, which is okay. Cause it's the shortest season and it's, I don't like, I don't want to say the least consequential to the overall story arc of Korra, but maybe yeah, I think it is. I not think that, it is. that doesn't mean it's it bad was... at all. It just, in the grand scheme of all five seasons, it is, it is probably four the least. seasons. It's, it's four, purposely me, yeah. self. It's purposely self-contained because they didn't know they were doing any more. Yeah, so. and so I have no issues going in, uh, quote unquote, Cora ce- celibate, knowing that I've seen that one extra and I do remember it the best because of that. But it's fine. I've been very tempted, but I have broken. I'm gonna do one episode at a time. It's gonna be fun. Um. Anyway, uh, Zuko explains that in that war meeting, which is a great callback to that. He says like he. Azula um, and Ozai has a plan to just wipe out the whole entire Earth Kingdom or wipe out a good portion of it and Zuko didn't speak up and he felt ashamed about it and that's really interesting character work there because the last time Zuko spoke up in a war meeting you know, he was himself but it led to freaking Aiden Kai that led him down this path and this time he did not speak up and he's just like, I felt really ashamed that I didn't speak up. But I did like my one good eye. So, you know. It's... <laughs> I only had one more eye left that was fully this, functional. This one over here, no depth perception. I get get nothing out of that, you know. <laughs> it only cries is what I think about my mom <laughs> and uncle. <laughs> I don't blame you, Zuko. I blame you for a lot of things, but that's, that's not one of them. Um, and so he's playing, playing to them and like Katara falls to the ground they're all like holy crap I know the Fire Nation was this bad um, I do love this weird dichotomy here where Zuko is far more adamant about defeating the Fire Nation than everyone else <laughs> like you compare that to the first season it's just a really cool uh, growth and, and change in all these characters that's like a uh that's like having a certain kind of bias for your for your own sports team. Like yeah, you're a fan and so you kinda know their strengths better than other people, but then you also kinda know the weaknesses better than other people too. Like you can always see both sides of it on your both team. You don't say it out loud because, you know, people are homers for our sports teams. But it's like knowing knowing just how dangerous they are in a way that everybody else like can use the words or whatever, but only Zuko's like, No, they're serious, they're actually just gonna literally burn it like not figured if they're literally gonna burn everything down and just kill everybody and like trying to relay that impact i can understand his adamance yeah um so then they do a quick little training exercise Sokka leads the group and and pretty much uh Toph plays the melon lord which is <laughs> hilarious <laughs> and uh and cannot cannot kill, cannot strike down the uh, the Melon Lord. <laughs> and I like how Sokka is just like, this is how you do it. And he slices the freaking head off 
which is really dark for a kids show because you know that that is the head that's supposed to be representing that watermelon is supposed to be yeah. representing the head of o- of Ozai and Sokka just slices in half and then Momo comes in and eats the brains out. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing as if he were to like say the phrase the F word in the show and be like no it's okay because I didn't actually do it. It's like no everybody knows what you meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I did want to mention is that I like how they, they've raised the stakes and the stakes almost felt like they had to be raised because um, now the stakes are like hey the Fire Lord's going to wipe out the Earth, the Earth Kingdom now like we, it, it makes everything feel a lot more uh, impactful I guess and, and dramatic uh, let's see what's next um, oh yeah so then so Aang doesn't strike down the Melon Lord and he's stuck with this this uh, moral dilemma of I can't kill the Fire Lord. Mm. Like, and then he's talking with Team Avatar afterwards, which I really do love. I really do love seeing them just uh, I don't know, just hanging out <laughs> together. And then Katara comes in with the baby picture that she thinks is Zuko, and he's and like they're all making fun of him. He's like, "That's not me. That's my dad." And like, but he's so cute. But that cute baby turned out to be a what? What word did he say? Is this is the baddest? The baddest? He says like the worst father of all fathers, but he also said the, one of the baddest people. He says something. I feel like I um, keep saying thinking the baddest man on the planet, but I don't think that's what he says. But I think he says baddest. I mean, I don't know. I have to look it up. But whatever it is, is pretty corny. Yeah. But I dig it. <laughs> it it does come out pretty corny when he says it though. Um, and the Ang says, but, you know, he is a human, like, he is, you know, he, um, you know, he, he is human after all, and then, and then they're like, are you defending him? Like, it's, it's such a weird conversation, because Zuko's like, you need to kill my dad. <laughs> like, he... It's a small favor, buddy, pal, if you got a minute. <laughs> yeah. Please, please kill my father, for, not just for me, but for everybody. <laughs> That's like Oedipus, but like lazy Oedipus. Like I want somebody else to kill my dad, <laughs> so I can find my mom. <laughs> but it's, it's all a really, it's all a really interesting conversation. Like Angus, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the world would be a better place if Fire Lord Ozai wasn't in it. But you know, the monks taught me. I can't as after I just can't go around killing people I don't like. And Sokka's like, sure you can. Like if it's in the name of being the Avatar, like you can't like. And he can, right? I was going to wording it kind of poorly, but he's still a point, like, as the Avatar. And we probably talk about this more when the time comes, but, like, duty to the Earth as the Avatar, duty to the world, versus, uh, I guess you'd call it duty to yourself or your own beliefs. So, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is... Sok- Sokka's being dumb, but he's got a point. Yeah, which I almost feel like this is a lesson <clears throat> that Aang... Aang grew up as only a monk, right? Most avatars, before they become a fully realized, before they even task with doing much avatar things, they are, they go around the world learning all different cultures, all different teachings, not just the bendings, but get to know the different people of the world. And I feel like if Aang done that, he probably been more in line with killing a person like Fire Lord Ozai. Um, 
maybe not if he was the last airbender because there's more meaning to that but if he killed ozai he would kind of be killing his own culture um but if there was other airbenders if he fully traveled the world i think he would probably be more open to killing people similar to how yang chin is well and he probably had never like you imagine living with a bunch of air nomads like it doesn't strike me as a place where a whole lot of bad people live (laughs) So yeah, maybe no, maybe yeah. your views change once you move into like bossing say you know you meet a few more people <laughs> see some see yeah. some crimes some bad stuff happen and be like you know what i don't want to kill people but if i kill this one dude it might be okay yeah <laughs> um but uh so yeah so they all have this conversation and ang sleeps on it um but she gets up and he just uh magically very plot conveniently walk towards the ocean and you don't know where he's at at this point. I will uh, this kind of music or that sound more like that Australian horn type of deal. Yeah, that big uh, the the one that just looks like a log. Uh, I'll I'll let that plot convenience slide because he's the avatar so you can just kind of chalk it up that's like I don't know if plot convenience has a a definition but if it did have a definition it would probably be exactly that like oh he's the avatar we'll just brush it up to that that's fine no I'm perfectly cool with it it's it's harmless I just there's other plot conveniences I feel like other people should be cool with but (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact, first time I ever used the phrase plot convenience is when I was referring to the movie Ready Player One. Ready Player One, my oh, first. Okay. It's full of them. I need to rewatch the movie. I like the movie a lot. I don't I, think you liked it as much. I was frustrated with it because of the number of plot conveniences. But that's a video game, though. <laughs> uh that's that's fair. Um and I will actually yeah. to be to be fair, I think I had said that about the book, which is uh Probably, it's not better or worse than the movie at all, but it had one, like, big plot convenience that stuck out way more to me, but it's not really present mm-hmm. in the movie, so it's tough to critique. But anyway, it's a different story for a different day. It's a fun yeah. movie. It's a, or still entertaining. You can still watch it. It's fine. Um, anyway, Aang disappears, and Team Avatar is like, well, we gotta find Aang. And I like how they all search around the place. Oh, first of all, they split up, and Immediately, Toph was like, I'm going with Zuko. And everyone's like, why? Like, it's almost as if she has, it's almost as if everyone is assuming she has like a crush on Zuko. Um, but no, it's just like she wants to go on a life changing field trip with Zuko because everyone else has. True, she's got to get left out all the time. That's not fair. <laughs> and maybe, you know, oh. she, she kind of has like the semi crush on Sokka, and now Zuko comes along like the, like the new boy in class. I can, she can have a crush on him if she wants. That's fine. There's this nice meme, this really funny meme of in Legend of Korra, you know, both Toph and, and Zuko are old. Uh, there's an image of Toph like pointing at someone. Like she's in in the actual show, she's pointing at Kuvira saying, like, you give Metal Benders a bad name. And uh and there is a picture of Zuko like right underneath it, the him looking like shocked. And that's in Legend of Korra, that's when Korra tells him that she's talked to Iroh in the spirit world. And so they put the two together. It says like Top says, we're going on a life changing adventure. You owe me a life changing adventure. That's kind of key. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe one day they'll they'll go on that. Um, There's still time. And, yeah. 
<laughs> this is a random side tangent, but someone in one of my videos, probably the video that I was talking about who is Zuko's uh, wifey and mother of Izumi, they mentioned like, oh, you know, I like to think, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Katara is not Zuko's, which of course he's not, but I know they're like, I know Katara is not Zuko's wife or baby mama, but maybe they got together afterwards, you know, like when they're really old and stuff. I'm like, is this the how I met your mother of <laughs> of, of Avatar? I feel like I gotta find this this meme. You know, I would I would hear that theory out, and then I would treat it with the same treatment and respect that I treat all other theories related to that. <laughs> um, but like, at least at least that one was a uh, was possible. Was uh, that's right. And it uh, sounds like it would entertain me at a minimum. Yeah, like I wouldn't mind seeing it. I, I definitely wouldn't mind seeing them like hang out and, and stuff. Um, boss, what do old people do? I don't, I don't know many old people. My grandparents all. I hope I'm the kind of old person that. I hope I'm the kind of old person that plays like chess, like learn how to like pick up a random skill like that. <laughs> I was oh, randomly yeah, thinking the other is, day, is like that is very funny. I dig that. Oh, there's okay. there's a there's a huge, there's a huge number of various, tough memes, and yeah. similar, but. I was really thinking about like one day when I'm old and my like grandkids, I'm like, come here, let's watch. Like grandpa, what did you watch when you were younger? Yeah. We're gonna watch this anime called Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and then, <laughs> this was one of my first animes I've ever watched. Now we're gonna watch the greatest show of all time, Avatar The Last Airbender. And they're gonna grandpa, be like, oh, that James Cameron film? And you're like, no, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> That classic James Cameron film that revolutionized 3D, that paved the way for 4D motion in there. Honestly, James Cameron will probably. Then that's that. And then that's movies. I hate that it's called Avatar, honestly. Um, I did too. Because Avatar's not even. It should have been called Pandora. Yeah, um, that would have made so much more sense. And it was a fine movie. I just. I have a certain yeah. amount of distaste for it because it was like so hyper popular at the time. But things that innovate are not always the things that like hold up well or have the staying power. Like I don't feel like people still talk about that movie in the same light or respect and I'm okay with that. Oh. No. I think most people I don't I don't see anyone saying they love that movie. Like nobody's like, "Hey, let's go back and watch Avatar religiously." It's like, "Oh, hey, that's there. That's fine." Yeah. But things that innovate don't always hold up and then that's okay. They innovated. Thank you, Avatar. Yeah for having the wrong um, name. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, Team Avatar, they all look to Zuko to help find Aang, and Zuko's like, why are you all looking at me? He's like, and they're all like, well, you're kind of the expert in tracking Aang. <laughs> Which is a really interesting role reversal here, or role re-reversal, going back to his old ways with tracking Aang. It's the devil reverse of the Uno gang. It's also funny and also true. Yeah. Um, the so then they find June, and I love this introduction of June because June's just a, such a BA, and I just I love the character. I want more June. I don't know how or what story I'd want her in. Maybe she's one of those characters just really good in minor dosages, but I just love her her entrance here. Like foamy mouth guy, she's got a cap. No, she. 
I'm, I'm glad that they found one more solid, legitimate excuse to work her back in. She was too fun to yeah. just be a one-hit character. Yeah, and I think it's a good. I think it's a fairly good excuse. I think so as well. Um, hey, we gotta try again. So, <laughs> and I love her. I just love her. Like, don't care attitude. It's different than mine in so many ways. It's because it's like a cool don't care attitude. There's apathetic don't May. care well, attitude. May. What's that? I said my. I meant to say May. Dang it. <laughs> oh, Zai Lao guy. My. <laughs> it's May. I know that's what they say. Yeah. I'm going to uh, start saying Oze. Oze. Fire Lord Oze. That makes him sound <laughs> Hispanic. <laughs> also, I sound like the the movie that just butchered people's names. Like, I'm an actor. I go to M. Night. I'm like, why is this pronounced this way? We should pronounce it Oze. He's like, Okay, that's what happened with Iro. Chantel was like, "But it's Iro," and then he's like, "Yeah, you're right." That uh, uh stop it. You know, it, <laughs> I don't it, like Ang Taong is still the worst, just because he is the main character. Like he's the the character around which the whole I, show and I don't know what's worse. Iro was fine. I mean, it's it was whatever. Um. Also, it's close enough that E I it's it's fine. I, I get um, it, but but Soka was really bad, mm. and uh, Ong maybe Ong is the worst. Yeah, I Ong just it's only the worst in my mind because he is the main. Like everything is built they, around yeah. this character. How do you yeah. how do you do him like that? That's, but yeah. Jose, I like. I'm gonna turn Jose. I don't think the uh, Central American population gets enough representation in this show. Oze. He's a he's a straight descendant from the Sun Warriors. <laughs> Maybe that's where that name. There's comes some from. association Oze. there. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's Oze. love it. Sticking <laughs> with it. <laughs> Although he does look way more like Eastern Asian than he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> than the Sun Warriors do. Yeah. It's a it's a he doesn't have to look like him. It's a but at least so yeah, at least the Sun gene. Warriors. That's I you know, I said that about Central American. That that's pretty direct, so I'll I'll retract my statement yeah. respect. He'll still be named after Yeah, yeah I mean they, they are the Sun Warriors. Yeah. yeah. They they brought fire. He could take that name for Obze. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head now. Anyway, <laughs> I don't I have no idea where we're at. We're talking about June checking them. Oh uh, yeah, June. June checking them. Yeah, so June tries to track Aang and she can't and she's just like I can't find him. And they're like, he, well, she just says he's gone. And and they're just like, what does that mean? Is he dead? He's like, no, I could find him if he was dead. I mean, he doesn't exist. <laughs> but. And they, well, and then don't they also, don't they make the comment about being in the spirit world and they say, no, his body would still be here? Did the soccer or somebody bring that up? Yeah. Well, yeah. Even before then, they knew he wasn't in the spirit world because his body wasn't there. They knew he didn't take his glider. Um, and so they they had they really have no idea where he's at, um, and um, but like what I why well, don't I feel like June seemed too experienced in that, right? Like I could find him if he's dead, and you're like question. Yeah, well, <laughs> also she seemed to have come across someone who just didn't exist. <laughs> Because she didn't seem surprised, like, oh, that's, she didn't, she wasn't like, oh, that's weird, Naga couldn't find him, that's never happened before. She's just like, he doesn't exist. 
somebody asked her to find somebody that had been like taken by the face stealer or something like that, and yeah. she's like, "Sorry, yeah. it's or, the only way." Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what happened. That's got to be it. Somebody's Some... like, "Hey, whatever happened to Kurak?" And she's like, "Gone. Sorry, <laughs> he, he doesn't exist." <laughs> oh, you mean like he's dead? No. no. <laughs> he wishes. Yeah. Death would be uh, better. I kind of do. We hope we get like more clarification on on that. But uh, anyway, so gosh, we're doing two episodes, right? Is it, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a very tangent happy heavy episode. I think it's. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I think it's because uh, so we didn't record last week, and then we've been trapped in the house with nobody to talk to whatsoever for like fifty-two days now, give or take. So it's, it's I'm star- I'm starved for for human attention and interaction. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Uh, um. So anyway, so Zuko gives her Uncle Iroh's um, sandal, and she tracks Iroh to Blasting Say and. Yeah, that's pretty much where they end up on for Team Avatar side of this episode. On the other side of it, Azula is prepping with Ozai to go on the airships and wipe out. And this is a really interesting moment. Like, we've never seen Azula be this, like, uh, be this bratty, I guess, right? Look, she's always entitled, but now she's being, like, kind of (coughs) childish, snotty. Yeah. Um, very um, uh, entitled and everything. I'm like the entitled spoiler brat, spoiler brat, right? Because Ozai says like, "I need you to stay here in the homeland." She's like, "Well, you, you know, he pretty much says you're not coming with me." She says like, "Yes, I am. Like this is my plan, Father. You can't, you can't treat me like this. You can't treat me like Zuko." And he's like, "Azula, like it's a pretty funny he, thing to say." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. Um, but it's it's really weird, kind of, see Azula like this. Like we we've never seen Azula talk be talked down to in any sort of sense. But like it kind of makes the Fire Lord like even it kind of just puts in perspective everyone's powers and and who's actually leading everything. Um, but Fire Lord Ozai is pretty much like. I'm going to become the Phoenix King and I'll give, I'll let you be the fire Lord. And which is, which is not like a gift from him. Cause this takes zero energy or zero effort or it doesn't, a gift is like, I gave, I gave up something of myself and gave to you. This is like, she's like, here you go. Like the I'll totem be the pole king of did the not change at all. It's the hierarchy yeah. is the same. They just slapped a different little name tag, yeah. little nameplate on it. Like absolutely, yeah, nothing changed. Not a... Like who's the who? Who's the most powerful person in the world right now, leading an army? Ozai. Who's the second one? Azula. After but he, this, but here's same. a sticker. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, honey. Uh, but she still, she still, you know, likes the idea of being Fire Lord. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how that ends. You know, a, Ozai says together, that I will be yeah. the Phoenix King. The the episodes flow together for uh, for me sometimes, but yeah, I think they really just have the conversation here, and that's about it. Yeah, but the episodes run together real bad. Yep. 
And then, uh, yeah, so that's the end of episode 18. Yeah, that's 18. Uh, let's just roll right into 19 since we, we're working on an hour and counting. <laughs> yeah. Episode 19 is the old, the old masters. And um, just for context, I do believe that all four episodes, I think I looked to verify, and all four episodes were premiered on the exact same, uh, on the exact same day. And they really yes, do flow together did. very badly in my head. I have a really hard time separating one from the other. As in they flow, I will say that's a testament to them flowing really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, not a bad yeah. thing unless you're trying to distinctly talk about one episode <laughs> after the other. And then it becomes a challenge. Yeah. But, um, but no, it's a testament to quality that really does feel like one big, almost like one big movie, kind of like the Pokemon movie at the end of the Indigo League or whatever. It kind of feels yeah. like that almost. Oh, and this is the way that they, they did it. You know, in that documentary, um, Avatar Journey, I think it was called. I kind of forget. Uh, I forget. It's a great documentary. It's like 40 minutes. Everyone should go watch it. It's really it's good. Just, it's out there but, on YouTube for, for anyone and everyone. Yeah. Um, it's like the only thing in Viacom never took down, probably because there's no random Avatar music playing in the background. <laughs> if there was, Viacom would have taken it down, or Sony would have taken it down by now. Yes. They have to blur Aang's face out when they talk about him. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but um, in it, they mentioned like when they got to the finale, they really felt like they were creating something special, which they were. And they they all, like everyone cast and crew, put a lot of effort and work into the finale. Um, and uh, uh, what was I was going to say, I have no idea. Oh, like everything, everything's like just amplified. Like the music is much better. You, you actually probably notice that the music has, is, the the music plays a way bigger role here. There's um, much more like, Zuckerman. There's the let's say like depth. There's much more depth to it. Like there's always the the music is always good and melodious and stuff. But here, it just it feels like a bigger deal. Much more detailed. Much more going on inside of it. Yeah. Oh, I actually think we added the June stuff in the wrong episode. I think the June stuff doesn't come until, um, and I'm looking at it. I don't think no, June stuff I'm pretty, is... I'm pretty confident that they don't find Iroh yet in the last episode, but they do get June's help, I think. Like, they nah, go find June, they go I did not put it on. Yeah, they find June in the part, in the first part of part two. In the first part of part two? Um, Maybe yeah. they just set off after June. She definitely shows up in part one. Not shows um, up physically. Like, do they go find her? Or they say, "Hey, we're gonna go find June." Nah, I think they just yeah, it just starts. Oh yeah, my with, bad. Uh, yeah, hold on, that's okay. It it ran that way for me, and so or felt like that. See, but, I just um, feel that way in my head. Well, and I watched them all back to back to back too, because that's how you're how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Go through fire. Oh no, my bad. They they do meet June because these do roll really closely together. They do. I um, think that they find her and then they, they can't find, find Aang, but then they set off no, for Iroh, but they don't find Iroh until I should be pointing over here this episode. I think they find her, but they don't actually start talking to her until the uh, part two. I see. Like she does okay. the whole like fight scene and everything. They don't just, actually start. Just the intro. Okay. Got it. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, so we talked about June stuff. Uh, oh man, what was my point before? It, it happened. Um, it's not a it's not a big point. Anyway, Jeremy Zuckerman uh, really wanted to go out and do like some really amazing stuff with the music. And he says like he like put together like his whole plan for. It. He's like, I will buy these things myself. Like all whatever tools or instruments he needed, and he took it to, like ahead at at Nickelodeon. They're like, don't worry about it. We got it. Like we'll support you guys. Um, which is good. And then I think awesome. after they did the whole finale, like all the cast, crew, and like their family all watched it together, like on one of those big screens at Nickelodeon. And it was, I think it was like the way they say it, it felt like one of those special moments that they all had each other, with each other. That's awesome. Yeah. Do all of these have commentary with them at all? Or is that yes, in the they documentary? Do. All, all four of them have. That, that was what I heard in the documentary. Gotcha. But all four of these do have commentary. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's the episode. Aang is, doesn't know where he's at, but he knows it's, like, he's really unsure where he's at because he can still bend, but he's not, like, on solid earth, uh, but there's, like, trees and stuff. You know, he's like, I'm lost. I wish I had my past lives. Oh, I can talk to my past lives. And so he talks to all his past lives. He talks to Roku first. And Roku's, like, fairly cryptic, right? He just tells him his last bit of advice was they are mostly um, not helpful <laughs> well so we're talking about women before i feel like the women were helpful <laughs> that's fair yeah you know what, Yang Chen was the most relatable as another airbender and she yeah i think her tone and everything contributes to like she demanded uh or commanded what is it like commanded your attention the best she's like she's an airbender she's gonna be able to level with ang and she's very like stout and clear in her point, but yeah. <clears throat> but, but other than Yang Chen, you're like you guys really aren't doing much for me right here. You know it. Um. Yeah, and so Roku's advice is pretty much um, you must be decisive, which that is not all that helpful. Kyoshi's advice, like, <laughs> which I love. Um, Kyoshi was pretty much. Hey, only justice can bring peace. Aang, this only justice can bring peace. Like, <laughs> and I like how Angle's pretty much trying to argue with Kyoshi. Like, but hey, killing's not good. And she's like, but I think I tend to conquer. And Angle's like, but you didn't technically kill him. She's like, I don't see the difference. <laughs> like, if her and Batman got in an <laughs> argument, and Batman's like, I don't have to, I don't have to save him either. And Kyoshi's like. That's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyoshi's like, but I just, that's why I love Kyoshi. She's like, personally, I don't see the difference. And then she does clarify. She like, tell it how it is. <laughs> she does clarify, like, look, Aang, if I had to, like, put a, put a stake through his heart, I would have done it. <laughs> no, it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that Batman Kyoshi was the mashup that I didn't know I wanted until just now. Just to see that dinner table conversation. Like, listen, I didn't kill him. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I love how Aang ends it with, um, I knew I shouldn't have asked Kyoshi. <laughs> I feel like that one line that sort of elevated Kyoshi's like, I feel like People think Yoshi is like some bloodthirsty avatar, which I don't 
especially reading Raskiel, I don't get that sentiment, but I, I get that she is perfectly fine with killing people. Well, in Raskiel, she obviously is going to shape like ninety-five percent of how we feel about Kyoshi, just in detail, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, there was a little bit more uh, legend and I guess lore in your own uh, imagination. To well, yeah, before I mean, that, she... I mean, you got all right. Dai Li killed chilled uh, Chin the Conqueror. She chilled Kin the Conqueror. She. <laughs> Uh, and like that, like you just got some pretty nasty stuff to go off here. You're like, all right, yeah, maybe she's a, you know, she's a bad lady. Don't yeah. mess with her. Oh yeah, um, man. I really hope one day we get like a animated Rise of Kyoshi or or one hour movie of it. I would be that would make me so freaking happy. I I would love it, but at the same time, it, you know, if when I'm always a fan of like when things are working, don't like don't mess with them. So it's one of those things. Like if it's working in the book format, I'll. I'll read one book a year. I can I can deal with that. I mean, I want it all, Sean. What? Man. Avatar should be bigger than Star Wars. Man, you want you want a fourth season? You want a Kyoshi movie? You greedy, greedy person. I don't necessarily want a fourth. I just want, I would I wouldn't mind wrapping up a couple of things like um Zuko's mom. Just what? a short quick movie. I can pretend that I feel differently, but in the end, we would do the same thing, which is watch it and, and talk about it. So, like, it, we can pretend we feel differently, but in the in the end, we're going to have the same result, which is we're going to watch it. So, <laughs> yeah. To to that end, I agree. They can be a movie, and I will watch it, and I'll be happy, unless it sucks. That's that's, that's pretty much fandom, right? That, like, that is, yeah. It's <laughs> like like in in Harley Quinn when they had those like those Snyder. Snyder released the Snyder Cut guys. <laughs> it was like, I'm not going to watch Harley Quinn. It's some weird feminist type of deal. Like, shows here that you reviewed it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but so and so, so and so. That guy did really hit home with me. And, well, and then we had the Star Wars conversation the other day. It's like, that's the same thing. It's like, I can. I, even if I did complain about it, it wouldn't change. I'll still watch the next thing they put. So I can whine all yeah. I want, but <laughs> I suppose for where the line in like today's day and age is drawn is, are you going to pay money to watch it? That's like the big, that's the big commitment. <laughs> and I would pay money to watch whatever. Av- if yeah. they produced a new avatar, the last airbender movie tomorrow, and it was like Shyamalan's directing it. And he says way better than the person. I'd be like, I still have to pay money to see it. Like I, Huh. That's, that's a good question. Like you'd have to what do I, it I just mean, out of human interest. I I know yeah, that you uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would too, and it's okay. I, I think a lot of people <laughs> they would trash us and tease us and maybe we'd hate it, but I'd do it. That's it's, it's it's captured my that's our next what if is what if Shyamalan produced the second movie right now and came out with like lots of uh with like lots of hype. Came out with lots of hype for it. <laughs> That's a good what if. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Another time. Another time. Um, so then he talks to. So then Aang talks to Korok, which was also not helpful. The most worthless. Um, he was. Yeah. Oh, good old Korok. He looks consistent. He just gave his um, one lines like, I'm going to go with the flow avatar. You mean you're a douchebag? Uh, <laughs> That's what that translates into. Uh, I forget what his piece of advice was. Um, Pretty much, you must shape. You must shape the world, which is so vague. Yeah, um, and kind of <laughs> ironic for him to say, of all people. But... Yeah, which I mean, that's fine. I feel like all these avatars, which 
I love, absolutely love the concept of the Avatar. And sometimes I, I really understand why people hate and Legend Korra that the past lives that got that connection got destroyed. I'm for one fine with it because I, I like ramifications and stories. I like characters being ripped of what they think makes them that person, but then they come to realize something else. But it does hurt to see the past lives go back because we won't be able to get get them back. Like these conversations can't happen anymore. But and there's so much stuff to go through that I, I understand people's uh, hatred, I guess, for that. Although I think they should see that more so the story element of it. I think that's very vital. Uh, you you unwrapped a lot of feelings there that I can't comment on because I don't remember. But you, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of deep stuff coming out of there. I'm sure I'll form an opinion someday. I'll miss the past lives in general. I, I like that as a sort of avatar. Uh, yeah, I guess you call yeah, it a power a... or a, or a privilege or what have you. I'm I, I'm yeah. certain I'll miss it, but I have a feeling it's not going to be a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Um. The and then he talks to Yang Chen, which is the the best conversation out, out of all of them because. Aang is like, oh, hey, an airbending avatar, an airbending avatar, and like, she'll see what I'm talking about. And I just love this whole thing. Um, yeah, she's just like, I just laughed. She introduces him. It's like, hello there, young airbender. Like, her, she just has this pristine feeling to she, her. She does. I can't describe the word, but they're just some like, you're you're just the most drawn to listen to whatever she's saying as a, as a viewer. Yeah. And I'm sure Aang is too, but as a viewer, you just... Yeah. It's like, oh, shut up, I gotta hear this. Yeah, and Aang's pretty much trying to plead his case like, everyone, all, even my past lives are wanting me to take the Fire Lord's life, but I can't do that. The monks uh, taught me that all life is precious, and she has this look mm -hmm. on her face of like, I know what you're going through, but she says like, I know you're a gentle soul, and the monks taught you well, but you, you can't do that. Uh, you can't detach yourself from the world um, because your one duty is to the world. Um, I'm butchering this back and forth here. Um, the Angus like, but the monks taught me to detach myself. And she's pretty much says exactly what I said before. You can't detach yourself from the world because your sole duty is to the world. At some point in there, I feel like Aang is like a bull-faced liar. Because <laughs> he says like, monks taught me that all life is precious. And that even the smallest fly caught in the spider thing's web uh, should be cared for. Like, and then he goes on to say, like, I've only used violence, only used violence to, and when I, whenever it was necessary, and I was trying to be quick or clever to solve my problems. Like, um, and there is a... Do you recall a, a time? <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall a thing where you were a giant fish monster? Does that ring any bells? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, he, I'm, I won't hold any response for that because the, the, uh, the koi fish took over his body. He had no control of that. Okay, that's fair. I, uh, I was going to hold him but, responsible for all Avatar State actions just for in, nah, inciting I don't, I don't an anger for that. to that point. But all right, well, get rid of that. Yeah. And you still, there's still some evidence. There is the buzzer wasp. <laughs> Those don't count. Good. They're monsters. They're <laughs> but according to Aang, <laughs> according to Aang, all life was sacred. But that buzzer wasp took Momo and tracked him down. He then got Momo from him. And then at that point, Momo was saved. And Aang was so vengeful, he freaking swatted that thing down. Probably killed that thing. 
Most likely. I think um, it lands on its back, and I think, you know, insects can't lay on their back very long. They die. That's how they go. Yeah. He killed and this, it. Its wings were definitely damaged. Yeah. Right? If I was Yang Chen, I'd be like, whoa, 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 there, <laughs> Yang Airbender. <laughs> uh, we've been watching. She's like you. flipping Let's through a naughty footage. Christmas book, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. listen. I've been watching some footage. It's the Truman there's Show. A, there's a buzzer's wasp right now in the spirit world, damning your name. Giving us all a bad reputation. No, I'm kidding. Buzzard wasps don't go to spirit world. Because um, they're monsters, and that's I mean, why it's okay spirit that they killed one. Yeah. Spirit world isn't heaven. I don't want to get anyone <laughs> confused on that. Or anyone no, being like, no pests hey, spirit in spirit world. world. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I just love Yang Chin's comment to him. It's just like, selfless duty requires you to have self-sacrifice, to sacrifice your own spiritual needs. Like, Holy crap, like, Yang Chen, that's why she was number one on our list of avatars, because she... I know he had some regrets farther down the line, but there's no regrets at the top. Yeah, I don't have, uh, I really don't have any regrets in the top three. I can see why, I think Kyoshi could come up, uh, and also Rise of Kyoshi wasn't out then when we did it. As I say, the more we learn... Um, Quirk goes down. <laughs> Maybe he goes down. I'm not sure though because he's still his downfall, his misgivings did lead to things in Rise of Kyoshi. Um, but Maybe still, Roku, Roku's more... in action. You know, no, yeah. but I still you're too you're too harsh on Roku, and you you misguided those acceleratings, you monster. You <laughs> misrepresented misrepresented my feelings. Roku's not that bad. Like he standing up to to a friend, and he legitimately did try to do it. He just wasn't stern enough. Like you know, like when your child, you want to teach him something, and you tell him once or twice, and you think it got through, and you want to have faith because they're your kid, and then they do the exact same thing again. And you're like, all right, I should have been a little sterner the first mm-hmm. time. Like that, that happens. Just, uh, just saying, under his watch, a whole freaking race of people was wiped off the world. <laughs> It was an accident. No, um, I, I would definitely put correct still at the bottom, but uh, long story short is I don't think there'll be any disagreement at the top. Kyoshi can shake no. some things up in the middle, and we could certainly learn more about Kurok and maybe even Nameless Firebender before Kurok. That'd be kind of fun yeah. to hear more about that guy. But, you know, we'll she has to revisit his her name. past lives. That'd be really cool if, yeah. uh, if this guy got to put a name on a new avatar. That'd be kind of fun. Well, not yeah. a new avatar. Um, to... Which in, yeah, uh, Yang Chen definitely says, because even in Rise of Kyoshi, they're like, man, Kirk wasn't praised like Kyoshi, uh, like Yang Chen was. Like, people worship Yang Chen as a deity. Like, they would pray to Yang Chen. They would say, thank Yang Chen. Like, that's how freaking impactful and grave an avatar she was. Like, not just airbenders, like, random Earth, Earth Kingdom people. She's the best for a reason. Yeah. But yeah, Kyoshi can shake some stuff up in the middle. I could, I could see that happening. We're getting more insight to some of those yeah. avatars. Um, all right. So they Aang realizes that he's on a lion turtle, which honestly it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it, it does come out of nowhere. I think I'm just laughing because, like, people people give Korra a lot of crap on, on they'll give Korra crap on like how did Korra bend her own energy where did the 
where do they come from? The core is able to bend her own energy at the end of book two. And to me, I'm like, well, they set that up at the end of Avatar saying that you, one can bend their own energy back in the day. Um, but this lion turtle, there's like a few paintings of lion turtles if you're looking hard enough <clears throat> before this episode. But before it's just like, man, where the heck did that lion turtle come from? Don't know. Um, which I think, I think Legend of Korra did a really good job of explaining the lion turtles. Like, hey, they're like the freaking gods of, of everything. Um, which probably is interesting. Better, probably they, better than we would have even needed. Like, we could have still had just about every... I don't know, it could have been satisfying without it, but it's really, really cool yeah. that they managed to turn it into something meaningful and memorable. Yeah. Which they did talk about introducing Rava and Vatu, but it just didn't fit anywhere in, in Avatar, and so they saved it for, for Korra. I thought it was a good opportunity to do it in book two, especially all about spirits and everything. Um, but anyway, he figures out it's a lion turtle, and lion turtle pretty much tells him something really uh, cryptic, but really cool of like, you know, um, darkness yields to light, something like that. I can't explain it. Sorry. Um, so I think you're close. Though. Like, darkness always yields to light, or something like that. Like, it. You're. I feel like you're just a word or two away. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm just googling now. Lion turtle quote. Okay. The true mind can weather all the lies and illusions without being lost. The true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed. Since beginningless time, that's a really cool word. Since it's a really cool phrase. Since beginningless time, at first I thought it was since the beginning of time, but it's since being beginningless time, which makes it seem infinitely before everything. <laughs> that's. I don't know why my mind is just so old on this phrase of beginningless time. And I hope it's just not a. I hope that's the actual wording of it, not just someone miss. <laughs> <laughs> now, just let it be that in your head either way. No, the, so far it's all sounding familiar to me. Um, darkness thrives in the void, but always yields to purifying light. So that's what he says saying. He touches his, like, few chakra points. Um, that's, how, that's how that ends. Um, anyway, so go... Track and the team tracks down Iroh in the Order of the White Lotus. Um, I love how Boomy is. I love Boomy how he 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 dressed some. He just like all right. I'm just gonna throw on the robe. I'm not. I'm just throwing the cape part. I'm not gonna put on everything else. I don't feel like messing with all that stuff. <laughs> like and they're probably so used boomy. to Boomy shit by now. Like they're probably. I'm sure. I'm sure people. everyone else was like. They they got the they got the secret message and they're like it's time and they went. And they like went behind all these secret passageways and doorways to get a really like nice a fancy chest. That's what they did. Yeah. Like, a, where's my super suit? Yeah. <laughs> and took out a chest. They like blew on it, took the dust off, unsealed it, and there was their white lotus robe. And like, it's time again. And Boomy was just like, <laughs> just hit a rock and just pops up out of the dirt and he's like, eh, eh, this is good. And he goes out. <laughs> Puts on his slippers and yells at some kids on his yard. Yeah. I can see that. I'd watch that short, like, before an episode. I'd, I'd watch that before <laughs> a title card. Yeah. 
Um, I like how he, and then he tells this story about how he um, broke free on the day of Black Sun. Although on the commentary on that, <clears throat> Brian or Michael's like, we got a couple of feedback that this was impossible that from where Omashi was at and where the Fire Nation is at, they both cannot be seeing a solar eclipse on the same day. <laughs> that is if you abide to Earth rules, man. This yeah, that's, that's this how could be I a think totally different moon. Also, a... who cares? <laughs> also, nobody. <laughs> uh, don't, don't apply Earth rules to this world that is clearly not yeah. Earth. I mean, Although, maybe did we talk just... about one time the, the, the like theory that was it this is like a post-apocalyptic world or something like that? Like post, post-apocalyptic Earth? Am I thinking of something else? Uh, that might we be, might have. That might be some video game nonsense I'm thinking of too. It's hard to say. Oh, it can't, it can't be Earth because um, <clears throat> in Legend of Core you kind of see when the planets align for harmonic convergence it shows you the planets and how they look and everything. The third planet from the sun has rings on it, and Earth, of course, does not have rings on yeah. it. Okay. So they clearly cannot be yeah. in the same like solar system. Although That's I all the proof I need to not have to apply Earth rules to, to the solar eclipses on this world. <laughs> I'm fine Boom. with that. Okay, good. <laughs> um... <laughs> Also, I think their moon is huge compared <laughs> to our moon, which maybe that's why it brings the ties a lot more. Because yeah, yeah. Cause well, and their moon looking... like comes down in spirit form and picks fights with whole villages and stuff. It's a much more aggressive moon. Yeah. No, that's not the yeah yeah my... no moon spirit did spirit. not pick fights. Ocean spirit picked fights. Oh, you're right. And kill people. Okay, yeah. I give you that one. <laughs> but if it was the other way around, would the moon have jumped in and whooped some ass? Probably. Ooh, and I wonder why that. Probably. I wonder why, you know, characters in Avatar can jump like really high compared to normal people, right? I wonder if it's because there's something gravitational with the moon. How big the moon is. Bigger moon. What? Is... <laughs> Did we just start our own fan theory? I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what if it was the? Uh, what if it had been the ocean spirit that died instead of the moon spirit? Would you? E- uh, hate the name I always screw up. Would she have turned into the ocean? <laughs> Is that weird? Is that uh, weird? No, because she had moon spirit in her. That's right. Now, see, that theory is no fun. That's why we vet yeah. these things. Usually not on a live episode, but that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, where the hell? Anyway. I so, don't remember. Oh, really... uh, the, t- the, the, all of Team White Lotus unites. I don't think they're in Bossing Say yet. I think they're just they're on the edge of it they are on the outside of bossing say yes okay yes yeah um pretty much where they took down the walls of bossing where the daily took down the walls of bossing say um so suko they they order white lotus which is all the old people that they know john john pian dao master paku um, they tell like, oh, Grand Lotus sent out a note saying we were needed here. And then they say it was Iroh of the Fire Nation. And, and like they go to him and, uh, and Zuko is at his camp. It's like late at night. And he's just waiting outside, which we've talked about this moment plenty of times, in our, especially in our uh, top moments of just Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender. And it was, this moment was our number one moment. Get my tears going and, on here. Yeah, and he's so... 
ashamed of himself, which I think is a great. They've been building up to this a lot, especially with the Ember Island uh, players um, episode. And uh, I love how it's, it's Katara that's like, he's going to know that you change. He finally goes, he finally works up the the courage to walk in there and Iris asleep. He just sits and decides to sit there and wait for him. Like he was probably sitting there nervous as can be for like hours, just standing still, knowing that he does not want to wake up Iroh because he's now that respectful of Iroh. And then Iroh yawns and wakes up. He just feels Zuko's presence uh, behind him. He still has his back toward, turned towards him because because that's the way Iroh has been treating him since he betrayed them at the Crossroads of Destiny. And I love this voice acting from Dante Bosco here because he like adds a voice cracking into it. He's just like, Uncle, like, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Like, so good. And he's just profusely apologizing. He's crying. He's that sad. Like that's amazing emotion there. When I think it's it's really key when, it, when characters are crying, not because like a character dies or something like that, but when they are just emotionally compromised in that position. And before Zuko can even finish his thought, finish his apology, Iroh grabs him and just hugs him. Gosh, it is the absolute best moment. And Zuko says, I thought you would be furious with me. And Iroh says, I was never mad. I was just sad because I thought you had lost your way. And he was like, I did lose my way, uncle. But you found it. And, and you found me here. And I am so, so happy. Like, this is probably the greatest moment in Uncle Iroh's life. Like, he was so sad that Zuko has lost his way because his own son follow the path that Iroh set for him that wasn't a good path that made his son, I won't say lose his way because his son, I don't think, was ever on the right path. But, but like in one sense death. or another, he was probably feeling like he lost two sons. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he felt like he lost two sons. Like, how much of a failure do you think Iroh feels like? He's like, I lost my first son, I lost Zuko. All because he's like, trying to do good things, like yeah um and finally they're they're reunited and this moment never not unless i'm just not paying attention to it, it never not gets me emotional it gets me pretty well up for sure but uh, you know just my favorite favorite character in in peak mode for giving the character that needs it the most who is not my favorite character no yeah. um it's, it's probably the emotional pinnacle of the series which is probably why it ranked uh, ranked at number one on our moments list is like it's if you don't feel anything here uh, you, may, you may not have feelings i don't know i only have like one or two feelings but they show up in this episode yeah. um so then all team avatar and the white lotus or really just iroh are just kind of chatting about like what they need to do um zuko tells iroh that like they can't find ang and so he asks him like hey will you fight Fire Lord Ozai, and I was like, I'm not sure I can even beat Ozai. And even if I could, I don't think it would go down the way you think. Like, history would see it as just a brother killing another brother grab power. Like, it has to be the Avatar. Like, trust me, Aang will fight the Fire Lord. And then Zuko, being really humble, is like, well, then, would you take your rightful place on the throne? And I was like, no. 
but to be a new fire lord, an idealist who is who has unquestioned honor. <laughs> it must be you, Zuko. Like, if I was Zuko, I was like, I'd be like, oh, uncle, oh, thank stop you. stop it, man. <laughs> oh, stop it. Unquestionable. But, but I mean, it's, like it's, me. it's pretty honorable, but you stop it. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the highest compliment that anyone can pay someone, like an idealist whose honor is unquestioned, right? And Zuko has always been about, this whole thing has been about honor. <laughs> like, and I bet he doesn't feel like he has unquestionable honor because of all the past mistakes he's made before. But Iroh reassures him, like, no, only you have what it takes. You redeemed your honor, and only you can redeem the honor of the Fire Nation. Um, which, I, which is a really interesting point, which they, they harp on a lot about redeeming the honor of Fire Nation and how the Fire Nation needs to re-see itself, which I really... And they did a good job, amazing job in, in this story, but I kind of want more of that. I want more of that look in, in the Netflix adaption. I want more of that um that that it's not only the world that's at stake but it's the fire nation's um ideas that are at, at stake as well i think it'll be kind of a good um mirror i think to to our own lives maybe to our own nation I mean, people forget <laughs> i think that a lot of fire nation was an allegory for early 2000s united states like when zuko is telling it was confronting the fire lord like hey the rest of the world hates us like they don't see our greatness they despise us that right or wrong right wrong is a sentiment that i think many people share in the united states outside of the united states because we've done some effed up things and i think it'll just be a really interesting um theme that explore that even more in the netflix show which they do a really we've good got job a scattered already. history <laughs> yeah, we we do. And then you, which which, right? Because like I get into this, I, I think a lot about our issues, United States issues, right? I, you know, as as a child, even recently, like probably five years ago, you know, you you have in your head like United States is the best country in the world. Which, if I was running for president, I would say that all the time. <laughs> um, but it's like, man, if I look at it. Like, are we the best? Like, what makes the best? <laughs> like, I know we call ourselves the best, but what exactly makes us the best? We are, like, slow to make any, you know, actionable changes and things. We have, like, some of the worst health care for how rich we are. Sure, we have the absolute best army ten times over the second best. But what does that do? Like, we need to reevaluate. And some people hold up our pastimes. It's just like, yeah. Founding Fathers was all amazing. They were great. I'm like, we shouldn't ignore the terrible things that they did, right? This country didn't belong to us. This country is built on stolen land, on the backs of of stolen lives. Like, we are not amazing. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, hey, we need to re- redeem ourselves, redeem our honor, and put ourselves back on and be the pinnacle for what everyone else should be. We should strive for being better than our past. But, man, I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> There's never a bad time for a tangent like that. I would say, uh, with with no disrespect to what you've just said, the best way to get what you just said wrapped up 
in a speech that's both uh, entertaining but also lands home is that Daniel Tosh has an amazing joke, has an amazing bit. <laughs> I know it sounds dumb and it's from Daniel Tosh, but it's pretty much what you just said. It's like everybody talks about the founding fathers, like they were a bunch of racists with a handful of good ideas, <laughs> or like a you know. America always talking about being number one is like, what if we just sit like America's top 10 and the other countries would be like, <laughs> yeah, we can respect that. <laughs> so it just, I I it wraps up a lot of ways. If I, if we weren't going to get YouTube copyright striked, uh, I would definitely put that clip right here. Cause whether or not you're into Daniel Tosh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty clever bit and, and reacts well to what you've just said, which does fit very neatly into the context uh into the context of the show and just it's a yeah the the idea that the right person to ascend to the fire nation throne is a person who believes that he can change it and turn it around like you may not be able to idealism optimism sometimes ill-founded sometimes wasted energy but you but what Ira was saying is like we've got to put someone there who's gonna give it the best possible shot to flip this thing on its head. There's this uh, one guy on Facebook who shared a Thomas Jefferson uh, quote. <laughs> said, and I don't know if this is a real Thomas Jefferson quote or not. I don't know, but it says I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. And I was really close to comment. I like I was typing it. <laughs> I was like. I'm pretty sure Thomas Jefferson prefers slavery. <laughs> I think, I think his his family like, farm would would be telling <laughs> as to which one of those two. Yeah, like, uh, uh, just I believe that's Google a real Sally quote. Hemings? Don't don't quote me on that. I believe don't quote me on that. You can quote him on that. No, I believe that is a quote, um, but I don't know if he uh, understood the literal meaning in the same way that we understand his words today. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I was like, so I typed it all out. I was like, you know what? I don't. Sometimes I'm just, you know, I don't. I don't need to uh, to get into Facebook arguments with, with not with which people, wouldn't have been an argument because right. not with people sitting at home with nothing better to do than to think of like rationalizations for why they shouldn't have to do something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't care what side uh, of the fence yeah. you're on with the whole with the whole pandemic and and how you feel about it. But there's a lot of uh, terrible arguments being given off by both sides, <laughs> as with any great argument. With any great argument, there's uh, we always hear the extremes, such as life. <coughs> um, but man, okay, went off a tangent there. Yeah, this, is, tangent. this is the most tangential episode of all time. But at least that one, compared to all the tangents I presented, at least yours was meaningful. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and then you undercut it with damn Tosh. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm not even joking when I, which is ironic because it is a joke. But that is probably one of the best uh, five-ish minutes of comedy in in my life. Yeah. Go watch it. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes I hate Daniel Tosh. Sometimes I, I like him. Which that's it's his thing. I'm about eighty percent hate, but that twenty percent top there. <laughs> this is definitely is definitely in it. Yeah. Um. All right. So they. Uh, Iroh says that Zuko must go to the Fire Nation uh, because Zulu will be, will be there waiting for him. And he takes Katara with him. Um, Sokka is like, well, Aang's going to be finding the Fire Lord, so we need to take out those airships. And Toph joins him. And then I love how they end it. 
like this this is like the the ultimate like prep for battle like, i feel like iroh is kind of you know he's like today destiny is our friend i know it mm-hmm. like and i just like how katara says goodbye general iroh like everything has a sense of finality to it like we don't know the next time we're going to see each other if we'll be alive or not and it's really heartbreaking because like we just got this full group of I mean, this is a this is essentially a group of our favorite characters. It's the yeah. it's the Avengers of this show, and it's like, all right, let's split up. You're like, oh, I kind of would have liked, you know, well, Team Avatar didn't really say good goodbyes. Like, Achara didn't say like goodbye, Sokka. And I'm not saying that I would. I'm just I'm just pointing something out. I, you I know, I made it. the Avengers reference, but without respect to the idea that Aang's not here yet, so that's not a great. <laughs> but the point is, it's yeah. like all of our favorite characters in one place, and right. then they. I'm pretty sure they did. They did say goodbye, but just yeah. off screen. Um, Sokka and Suki and Toph takes Eelhound, mm-hmm. which is probably my favorite. One of my favorite. It's ah, I should have. I mean, I forgot to put that as one of my most underrated things. That Eelhound. Nothing travels faster on land or on sea than an Eelhound. Like that's that's dope. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds pretty OP to me. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I mean that's that has to be like a top five carrot, top five animal. You know we haven't done probably we haven't done top the, animals. The yet. Animal. We can toss that out there. Yeah, we we need some fillers here just in case. I don't know what having a baby's <laughs> like, but I hear it it messes with your schedule. So we need. Well, some apparently, fillers. we're in some type of stage where the baby could be here in a couple of hours or well, several days. See, so like listening to your wife occasionally, you just pop the headphone, make sure she's not like yeah. Do I hear screaming and agony? That's no. Okay. Oh, that's the TV. My bad. Okay. <laughs> um. So they split up. They each. I, thought they... I, told her, I told her I was recording a podcast. Not bother me. So maybe she's uh, actually just went to the hospital herself. And... <laughs> so. So I can't. I can't break off another ten. It's another story for another time. I... <laughs> it's not that good of a story. It's just timely. But anyways. Okay. Um. Uh, team... That pretty much ends. Yeah, team goes their separate their separate uh, separate ways. I do believe at the very end of this episode. Again, I might be mixing them up, but I believe at the very end of this episode that like essentially Sozin's comet is here or on its way or very close or there's that they ended on that note. Like now is the time. It's happening now. Um, yeah, I do believe they show Sozin's Sozin's comet. I think so. Um, so that's that is really it for episode nineteen, the old masters. We really didn't get to interact with a whole lot here, but they're there. And then we don't really have anything else to cover here because we are going to leave you on a cliffhanger. Come back next week. There will either be some kind of filler episode or there will be the finale, final, super awesome episode that will include our ratings for these two as well. We're going to rate them all as one because you got to watch them all together because we believe that's how it's supposed to be done. So we'll wrap things up pretty quick here because we've been talking for a really long time. Come back next week for either a filler or the real deal. I'll let you know when it happens. In the meantime, thank you very much, Chris. Good luck if you happen to have a baby this week. I hear that's a big deal. Never done it myself. I'll try it someday. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you tell me how it works. And then if it's okay, I'll give it a try someday. (laughs) In the meantime... Birds and bees here real quick. uh... If you tell me the story, (laughs) and I'll figure it out later. (laughs) It's not podcast appropriate. <laughs> when a man and a woman. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs>
I really like the Fairly Odd Parents, and I, one of my favorite parts is when Cosmo gives the speech about being alone and loving each other very much. It's a great moment. It's a great cartoon for like two seasons. Thank you for joining us for a very tangential, uh, full episode. In our defense, these two episodes wrap up a lot of different pieces of story that we've been talking about. So our tangents are a metaphor for the... I actually don't know where I'm going with that. I thought I had an idea, but I don't. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Come back next week. We'll see you then. Chris, take care. I'm Sean Taylor. That's Chris Ford. You can find us on last underscore podcasters on Twitter and Instagram or last podcasters on Facebook. See you next time. Chris, you want me to cut this out? (laughs) No, it doesn't matter. Nope, too late. It's staying. Everybody wants to hear our voice (laughs) over the music. All right, see everybody later. (laughs)